Hey, if you are newer to the family with us here at Victory, let me just kind of catch you up, okay? Because since February, we have been kind of walking through Jesus' greatest sermon, uh, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. It is three straight chapters of fire. All right, and it is, it is three straight chapters of God telling us how to live his way, right? And the reason why we're spending so much time in these three chapters is because at the very end of his teaching, Jesus puts it all in context, and he says, hey guys, I need to let you know, storms are coming, but if you live the way that I'm teaching you how to live, you're gonna make it through the storm, all right? And I don't know about you guys, but I wanna make it through the storm. Come on, I want to make it in the chaos of the world. It's it's a little cray-cray out there, right? Like, I want to make it through this world. And Jesus is equipping us on how to make it through the world. And here we are, if you've been tracking with us, we we did it. We made it through one chapter. (laughs) So today, we have arrived in Matthew 6. I, I want you to take note of this. We just spent four months in one chapter. Four months to go through 48 verses. And I want you to make a note of this, just kind of in your soul for a second, right? Uh, of, of the fact that many times in our reading of scripture, diving into scripture, it's almost kind of like we, we water ski across the top, but God is inviting us to put on our scuba tanks and to go deep, Right, most of us would spend you know, about three minutes in Matthew five, we just spent four months. And what, what I'm trying to say is there is, a, there, there is an invitation from the Father to explore the depths of God's word. Come on, this is more than just a handful of verses, right? There is a depth of wisdom of living that will absolutely change you from the inside out if you let it. And there's an invitation from God to always go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, not just to stay on the surface level. And here we are today in Matthew 6. But I also have some like kind of parallel news. If you were hoping that Jesus would let up when we kind of turned that page, I got bad news because he doesn't, right? And in the same way that Jesus was all up in our business in Matthew 5, Jesus stays all up in our business in Matthew 6, right? But again, why is he doing it? He's doing it. It's this, it's this kind and gentle surgery on our soul to reform us into his image. And we're about to dive into it, but let me just kind of give you the big idea. Here in Matthew 6, throughout the entire chapter, here's what Jesus does. He starts talking about these things called, that he calls the acts of righteousness. So what are acts of righteousness? Acts of righteousness is right living. This is is how we live in this world the way that God has called us to live. And what he does, in essence, he lumps all of our righteous living down into these three categories, into giving, into praying, and into fasting. So pretty much the entire chapter of Matthew 6 is giving, praying, and fasting. So giving, get this, giving is how we relate to others. Praying is how we relate to God. Fasting is how we relate to ourself. How do we tame our flesh? And in this this giving, praying, fasting, Jesus said this one word over and over and over and over again. It is impossible to miss. He uses the word when. Okay? When you give and when you pray and when you fast. I need you to notice something. He does not say if you give and if you pray, and if you fast, he makes a really big deal to say, hey guys, this is normal Christian living, that when you've encountered the grace of God, when your life has been revolutionized by the saving grace, the saving power, the saving blood of Jesus Christ, you will respond with giving, with praying, and with fasting. Come on, victory. God assumes today that you will give, and you will pray, and you will fast. These are non-negotiables for Christians. And today, what we're landing on is the first thing that Jesus lands on here in Matthew 6 in giving, right? And I love this. Here's how Billy Graham says it. He says, God has given us two hands, one to receive with and the other to give with. And we are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for giving. And I just need to say this, guys. Maybe, again, you're newer with us. Unapologetically, we are a giving people 
unapo- I, don't, I don't make any apologies for that. If you want a church that just doesn't give anything, there's about 40 down the street, all right? But if you're about kingdom business, we will be a giving people, right? This is what we're supposed to be known for. It's one of the things that we're known for. So I, I love that a few years ago, uh, not why well, I've been alive long enough that a few years ago means like 20, but a few years ago, um, my car died. That's fun. That's fun. And, you know, we're broke. We have, we have no money saved up. And so we're like, great. Like, this is before even Uber, probably. And so we're like, man, how in the world? Okay, I guess I just got to drag my tail down to the, the car, you know, place and just see what we can get. And I'm telling you guys, it was one of the best days of my life because I got there and I'm dreading this. I'm like, oh God, we're about to go in debt forever. And I, and I walk outside with the sales guy who I know. And he said, hey, Johnson, this is awesome. He said, but before you got here, somebody from the church got here and just put the money down. So you just pick. And I was like, what? What? Who does that? Who does that? Just, just a little while after that, uh, we were at Victory Hamilton Mill, and uh, there, was a, there was actually a couple uh, in, in the church who was pretty wealthy. He played uh, professional sports, and they were moving out of town, and they said, hey, we've got our extra vehicle, which was nicer than anything we had ever had. So we're like, does Summer want that? And we're like, <laughs> who does that? Right? And I'm telling you guys, it changed our, it, it, it did something in the soul. It actually opened us up to begin seeing, like, it's possible to be generous like that? Because my idea of generosity was like an extra $3. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was going to tip you four, I'll tip you seven. What? Super Christian, right? And I'm like, this whole new plane of generosity opened up to me. So I'm just telling you guys, the buoys have been on both sides, right? And, and we, we've received and we've given. We've now given cars. Like it, and here's what I'll tell you. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's a blessing to receive. Think about that. But how much more is it even to give than to receive? And it's so counterculture, but it's so kingdom culture. And in fact, even right now, some of my favorite videos that are out there are, you know, on social are like of people being generous. Like, I love this. And it seems like this is as good as it gets. It seems like this is as pure as it gets. But Jesus knows there's always something lurking in the human heart. And he actually shows us here in Matthew 6 that not all giving actually pleases God. Because it's not just if we give that matters, it's how we give that matters. And here's what he says, Matthew 6, 1 through 4. These are red letters. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will receive no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I told you Jesus all up in our business. And, and, and now here, here's the thought, guys. This is so real, but it is so off our radar. Like, like, like we're not even thinking about that. But, but when we start to think about that, I think Jesus is onto something really important. Because let's just be honest. Most all of us, at first glance, we're like, no, nah, that's not me. I don't struggle with that. Next Some of y'all are already like pulling out your phone to do your wordle. You're like, all right, I'm just gonna. This sermon's not for me, it's for them over there. But Jesus knows our hearts better than that. And what he's really asking us today is, I know the what, but what's the why behind the what? Are we giving to feel good about ourselves? Are we giving to impress somebody else? Why 
are we giving? Because if we're not careful, D.A. Carson says this, a pastor, he says this. He says, the goal of pleasing the Father is traded for its shrunken cousin, the goal of pleasing men. And Jesus says, honestly, guys, many times our actions are right, but our attitudes are wrong. Right? Like our movements are right, but our motives are twisted. How do we know that? Like, I don't see that. Many times you don't even see that. But man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And here's the deal, guys. If we really just kind of paused, and if we were really honest with ourselves, I think what we would begin to do is we would begin to discover that many times the things that we do, we do for others to see so they would have a better opinion of us. Or we would do, listen, or we would do for us to see so we would have a better opinion of ourselves. Oh, I would never. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> we all do it. Come on. We, listen, okay, let me rewind back. I was thinking about this. When I was a kid, y'all remember it that far back? All right. And I grew up in church, and we had the offering plates, but maybe you grew up with the bucket. Man, when that plate came by, you better know I was pulling that quarter out. <laughs> and I was like, boom, right? And it jingled around. And I was like, I just gave a million dollars up in this joint. And I walked out like this. I built this place. <laughs> right? Like you got a little swagger when you give a little bit bigger. You know what I'm saying? There, there's just some, there's a little bit of something that comes with that giving, Right, and, and let's just be really honest. Like, when, when I give, like, I'm just super honest. When I give to somebody as need, okay, I don't know if they're on the side of the interstate, the intersection, if they're out standing out front of Walmart, and I know everybody's like, well, they're just gonna, do listen, I, I don't care. Sometimes you just need to give, right? And so I, sometimes I see people, and I, okay, pull the curtain back. Here's what I do. I'm thinking to myself, what's the normal person give them? Three bucks, maybe five I'm going to give them 10. And then I look at their face, and I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> when tax time comes, and I get my victory contribution statement, and I see how much I gave this last year, I start thinking to myself, like, mm-mm-mm. I look around at my neighbors, and I'm like, y'all suck. And I start thinking, man, I could have all the stuff that you have. I mean, if I just didn't give. But I'm just so much more spiritual than you guys are. I just kind of puff my chest up. And some of you are like, what's a giving statement? Okay, we're just inviting you into giving. Just take a step. Just don't, don't, don't verbalize that to anybody. You're just kind of showing what's happening. Your real test of this is this. I've, I discovered this recently. Is... Uh, Somebody, somebody I, I knew needed a pretty significant amount of money. And I gave them a really significant amount of money. And they were like, thanks. And I'm like, you little. Give it back. Give it back. Give it back. Because you didn't say thank you the way that you were supposed to say thank you. Better watch out, for real. Come on, here's the question. Who are we giving to? Why are we, are we giving for their thank you? And I think, guys, if we were really honest, we want people to think that we're more spiritual than we really are. We want people to think we're more free than we really are. We want people to think that we have better quiet times than we really do. And we want people to think that we're more generous than we really are. Why? So they'll say, wow, you're great. And every single one of us does it. And Jesus punches that squarely on its nose today. And here's what he says. In a world that gives to be seen by everyone, we give to be seen by only one. In a world that does their acts of righteousness to be seen by everyone, we're the ones who do our acts of righteousness to be seen by only one. 
But come on, this kind of begs the question, okay? Let's, just dive, let's take another step deeper into this. What's the real problem of what Jesus says, practicing our righteousness to be seen by others? Here's the first problem, okay? What happens when we give to impress people? Here's the first thing, is that that is our reward, right? Is impressing people. So, um, I, I, you know, we talked about it, Jeremiah, uh, our, our firstborn son, he just graduated, so we just had to be subjected to all of that. I love the graduation, but there's all the other stuff, like all the award ceremonies, and everything. come on, guys. And I know I sound like the old guy, and if you're like as old as me or older, like you don't get it, because when we, when we graduated, there wasn't all the pomp and circumstance. You know what I'm saying? It's like they, they recognized the valedictorian, and then they looked at everybody else, they're like, hey, you're done, get out. Just go, just get out, get out. We don't want you here anymore. We gotta bring more people in. And we went to Jeremiah's series of school awards, and um, conservatively, actually it was kind of counting, conservatively they gave out uh, about 250 awards in a student body of about 120 <laughs> to about the same group of 20. Come on, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Have you been through an awards ceremony before? And I mean, it was enough where I'm like starting to know the kids' names. And I'm like, whoa, Michaela, getting it done. Good job, Michaela. You know what I'm saying? Like, she really put in the work, you know? <laughs> but honestly, I, as I'm sitting there and watching the same kids go across, mm, watching the same kids go across, right? Mm, I felt like the Lord started speaking to me that that is what life is like for most people. Walking across the stage, living for the applause. And what happens is we end up doing good so others would clap. And again, let me read what Jesus says, Matthew 6, verse two. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, synagogues and streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. And Jesus invokes that really loaded word, hypocrites. And hypocrites already has a lot of meaning today, but hypocrites back then, that comes from the Greek, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing it, uh, hypocritos, right, hypocrites. And hypocrites, here's literally what it meant, actor. So if you ever seen like the Greek tragedies where the happy face and the frowny face and the mad face, that was a hypocrite. They're an actor. Because what's on the outside is not what's on the inside. You're playing a part. And what Jesus is saying right here, he's saying, hey, when we give in a certain way in the synagogues and in the streets, when we give a certain way in the church and outside of the church, if we're not careful, it's like we're actors. We say we're doing it for God, but we're really doing it for people. And when we do that, listen, 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 this is so important. When we live like that, their applause is the only applause you'll ever hear because you're not getting one from God. Charles Spurgeon says this, to stand with a penny in one hand and a trumpet in the other is the posture of hypocrisy. And what's, what's so difficult about this, guys, let's just be honest, is that we live in a world that posts everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's what I had for breakfast. Here's what I had for dinner. Here's the concert that I went to last night. And whatever, post it. I don't, I don't care about your pasta, but post your pasta. I don't care. Right, put it out there, okay, post the stuff, all right? But if we're not careful, we'll bring that same type of thinking into our good deeds. Here I am on my mission strip. Here I am giving to the needy. Let me just tell you, sir, oh, I couldn't believe how much I gave tithing last year. And when we do that, listen, when we post that, what we really want, listen, is likes, Follows and comments. And what we really want to see is, wow, you're awesome. And there's a danger in this, guys, that when we give to impress people, our reward is impressed people. Their applause and their approval is the approval and the applause that we'll get. But Jesus invites us further into that. Because when we give to impress people, the first thing is that's our reward. The second thing is this, the, the, is there is no reward from God. Listen, to live for the, the applause of people instead of the applause of heaven 
is getting it completely reversed because really at the end of the day, we don't want the applause from people. We really do want the applause from heaven. And this is what Jesus is trying to shine the spotlight on, Matthew 6, 3. He says, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand even know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, everybody say secret, will reward you. And Jesus, again, is kind of using this impossible analogy, right? Like your left hand shouldn't know what your right hand is doing. And, and really what he's saying is, hey, I'm not just keeping my giving secret from them. I'm almost kind of keeping my giving secret from me. Does that make sense? Like I'm not, after I do, I'm not like puffing my chest up. I'm not like writing it down so I can tell this story later. I'm not trying to figure a way how to weave this story into a conversation. Come on, I'm not, I'm not thinking about, man, wow, well, I could really post this and maybe put a little ad money to it and be able to... Right? I'm actually trying to hide this and keep it in secret from me. And listen, when you give like that, God sees and God rewards. If, if, there's, if there's another consistent word in here besides when, it's reward. And I know a lot of us, we get a little nervous in church whenever we talk about rewards. Um, but we have a God who talks about rewards. But here, here's my guarantee to you. If you just live a generous life and you don't keep a record you'll find that God will have kept a record. You didn't even need to. Y'all remember Matthew 25. So Matthew 25, Jesus very famously, he says, he says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And what are the righteous gonna say? Jesus, when did we do that? When, when did we see you hungry and give you something to eat? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? And I, obviously, I think there's a thing where it's like, hey, I didn't recognize that that was Jesus. But I also think Jesus is also saying in here, you didn't keep track. When? He wasn't like, oh, okay, on April 8th when I, mm, you know, on June this. Oh, I remember that time because I really went out of my way. No, just don't keep track. And you'll find that God keeps a track. See, Jesus at the end of that says, hey, here's your reward. In fact, in Revelation, there's some of Jesus' last words is he's saying, I'm on my way and I'm coming with my reward. Now, now here, obviously, we have to say this. Don't get it twisted. Your reward and your giving has nothing to do with salvation. This is not one of those churches. All right. There is nothing that you can do to deal with your sin debt. Okay? There's only one gift that deals with your sin debt, and that's the gift of Jesus Christ who deals with your sins, who washes you as clean as white as snow. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. You just receive the gift. You receive, because we have a giving God, right? But now that I've received that gift, what it begins to produce in me is this harvest of righteousness. It's this different way of living. And here's the beautiful thing about God. He invites you into his way of living. He empowers you into his way of living. And then when you enter into his way of living, he blesses you for it. In fact, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the reality, guys. Um, whenever I talk to Pastor Dennis, the founding pastor of Victory, right? And, and I ask, I, I've asked him this question. I said, you know, Pastor, why, why has God so blessed Victory the way that he has over the decades? Here's what he always says. He says, there's two reasons. There's two reasons. He said, because Victory prays for and blesses Israel, Amen. and because Victory has always cared for the widow and the orphan, and the needy, and those in distress. He said, that is it. That's why God is, it's a reward. God, God, when we don't do it for everybody else, when we do it for the Lord, God sees and God rewards. But it gets broken when we're doing it to impress them instead of to impress him. Here's the third thing. What, happen, what happens when we give to impress people, and this is one that's gonna sting a little bit more. When we give to impress people, help turns to hurt. When we give to impress ourselves and impress others, there's actually an unintended side effect. We end up hurting the very people that we're trying to help. Because here's, here's the thought, guys. Whenever we, like Jesus says, whenever we blow the trumpet, look at me, and we say, shine the spotlight on me, is not just you in that spotlight. Is you and the one you're trying to help. And if we're not careful, here's what we end up doing. We end up elevating ourselves 
and we end up pushing them down. And we don't even realize we're doing it. But what happens is we're up here and they're down there. I have and you do not. And we post pictures of ourselves on our mission trips with all the poor kids. We go downtown to help the homeless people and we're like. Now here's the deal. Listen, listen, listen. Post your pictures. Post your pictures. Post your pictures. Now don't be like, oh, mm, there they go again. Like from now on, you're looking at people's mission trip pictures. No, no. Post your pictures. Post your pictures. Okay. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But a really good question is why? Why? Why am I doing this to bring attention to myself? Or am I talking about the beautiful thing that God is doing right here? Am I talking about the beautiful thing that God is doing in these people's lives? Or am I trying to just shine this spotlight down on my life? And honestly, this is one of the big problems of all these giving videos online right now. Because they're like, hey, look at me. And it's usually a white dude. Let's just be honest. (laughs) White dude's here to save the day. Throw some money at some poor people. Right? And then we end up capturing the, the saddest story you've ever heard in your entire life. And what happens is he gets four times as much ad money in return. Because all the clicks and all the likes, he ends up getting more money than he just gave away. And so he goes around hunting for really sad stories. And I found this quote from an early rabbi. Here's what he said. It would be better not to have given him anything rather than to have given to him publicly and shamed him. Guys, I found this out the hard way a number of years ago at, uh, when we were leaving Victory Hamilton Mill uh, up the road. And what we had done, we had done like a little short-term giving thing, and we had received money to be able to buy Christmas presents um, for, for families who couldn't afford Christmas presents for the kids. And we did this thing, and we, we, we invited the families to come up to the church to receive the presents. Sounds great, right? Sounds great. And we did this, and the first few families started coming in, and I started noticing something. It's like one person is not here. You know who was never there? Dad. Because to a dad, it's shameful to not be able to afford Christmas presents for your kids. And we were like, hey, guys, come up to the church. Look how great we are. Look how, look how, come on, come on up. Except one guy was never there because it just reminded him of how much he couldn't provide, how much of a failure he was. And so we're like, oh, we got to change this. So we made one change. And what we did, we started inviting the dads to come up. And we would give the presents directly to them and we'd pray with them. We'd do some job stuff. We'd be talking and we'd have that conversation. And then that dad would go home and we, he would write his name on the tag to be able to give to the kids. Because guys, I don't know about you, there's only one savior and his name's Jesus. His name is not Johnson. His name is not Victory Church. That savior is not you. And so it's not about me. It's not about a drawing attention. I want to draw attention to Jesus. And we got to be careful when we give to be seen because we end up hurting the very people we're trying to help. But here, here's, here's a thought. I want to take another step, okay? If, if, if you're actually really kind of paying attention, you've been walking with us for a while, this almost seems a little bit like a contradiction, okay? Because if you actually go back to Matthew 5, what, what, what is one of the things that Jesus says? Very, very famously, right? He says, let your light Shine so others would see. Let your light shine so others would see your good works. But here Jesus says, don't let them see. So one time he's saying, let them see. The other time he's saying, don't let them see. What can explain this? Okay, this is, this is really important. This is really important. And I pray that this like, is something you remember for the rest of your life. It is our cowardice and our fear of man that is why Jesus said, let your light shine before men. And it is our pride, which is why Jesus says, don't give in order to be seen. And there's a pastor named A.B. Bruce. I want this to stick in your soul. He said this, we are to show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. 
we are to show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. In other words, here's how I'd say it. When you have pride, let it hide. When you have fear, let the light appear. Come on, when you have pride about what I've done, about what I've given, about this, about that, about all the things, I want to tell the stories, I want to be in the spotlight. When you have pride, let it hide. When you have fear, oh man, I don't know how people are going to think about me. Oh man, I, I know I should probably say, but not, I could, so much good could happen. Oh, when you have fear, let the light appear. Jesus almost, I would even, I would say, Jesus almost invites us to do what's contradictory to your human nature. When we have pride, hide it. When we have fear, let it appear. And here's the idea, guys. It's not that people can never see that you're doing good things. The question is, why do you do the good things? You know, Jesus says to do our good work so that others would see and glorify him, not glorify us, glorify him. So yes, let me just say it. I'm gonna make a blanket statement, but again, I only see the outside, God sees the heart. So yes, there are times we post on social media. Yes, there are times we tell stories. Yes, there are times we make a big deal about it. But most times we don't. Most times we don't. Because I'm not doing this so people would see me. I'm doing this so people would see Jesus. And I think it's here that, again, I know that I've said this word three times in one sermon. You're like, wow, the word rabbi. <laughs> but I found a 12th century rabbi whose name is Mamamides. And he talks about the, the eight levels of ascending charity is what he calls it. I just call it the eight types of givers. And I think this is the journey that God has us on. Just walk through it real quick. Here's the first one. The one who gives sadly and reluctantly. Some of you are really sad and reluctant today that we're talking about this. Because <laughs> you're like, I'm just waiting for the ask. It's gonna happen. And it's this attitude of like, what's the least I can give and get away with it? Right? I'm going to give, but what's the least I can give? Okay, the one who gives sadly and reluctantly. Here's the second one. The one who gives less than is fitting, but gives it cheerfully. In other words, I didn't give very much, but I'm really happy about it. Right? And we love that verse that God loves a cheerful giver, and we use that to get out of all sorts of giving. I'm not happy about it, so I'm just not going to do it, because God cares. God cares about what I think. The third level of giving, the one who gives only after having been asked to, get to give. Fine, fine, I'll do it. Now here's the beautiful thing, the heart's starting to move in the right direction because generosity's starting to open up. Now let's be really honest, some of us thought that that was like the highest level. But there's five more levels. There's five more levels, here's the next level. The one who gives before even being asked. Now, here's, here's what's happened. A change has started happening in my heart where I don't need to be reminded to give because I'm actually starting to become a generous person. But even in this place where I give before being asked, there can be a lot of motive things happening inside my heart. And there's still four more levels of giving, giving above this. Here's the fifth one. The one who gives in such a way they don't need to know who's receiving it. You know why this is hard? It's called trust. I'm releasing the resources out of my hands and I'm trusting that God's gonna get it to the people who need it. And so I'm forced to start dealing with the ego that wants to see the look on their face when they get it. Number six, the one who gives in such a way the receiver does not know who's giving it. In other words, they can't tell you thank you. So here's the beautiful thing. The only thankfulness that person has can only go to God. There's no horizontal thankfulness. There's a vertical thankfulness. And what it again, it starts dealing with this ego inside my heart. We're almost there. Number seven, the one who gives in total anonymity so that they do not know who will receive it and the receiver does not know who gave it. And honestly, guys, this is about as good as it gets, right? Now, let, let, me, let me just kind of address this. This is, I, this is my personal belief. I don't believe that this is talking about like you shouldn't write your name on the envelope so the church can't give you a giving contribution statement. Okay. Now, here's the deal. I ain't gonna, I, I'm the type of guy, I don't wanna give the government one dime more than they deserve. Well, not that they deserve, but that they require. All right, it's two different things. <laughs> <laughs> so you better believe. <laughs> There's a little bit of a record of this thing, so I can file my taxes, right? 
But here's, here's the overarching thing. I'm releasing it in a way that I don't see, in a way that they don't even see many times, but God sees, right? And here's the highest level of giving, is the one who does not give charity at all, but actually helps the poor rehabilitate themselves by lending them money, taking them into partnerships, employing them, for this is the way the end is achieved without any loss of self-respect. Boom. And at this level, here's what I'm doing. I'm not just opening up a wallet. I'm opening up a life. You know, either we're taking a journey with somebody or we're empowering somebody else to take a journey with somebody. Because here's the deal, guys. At the highest level, our giving is no longer about charity. Now it's become empowerment. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with what I'm saying? I'm not just giving some dude five bucks. I'm actually, I'm doing or empowering somebody to come alongside and not just meet him where he's at, but to actually lift him back up and propel him into a new life. And guys, I'm telling you this, I've been here long enough. We, we, we have such an incredible opportunity to do this here at Victory and in our own personal lives. I've seen this in living color, okay? So let me just bring it inside the house. Here, here at Victory, if you're newer with us, one of, the, one of the things we did long before I was even here is that Victory just kind of made up our mind that we're gonna uh, uh, point 20% of what, at least 20% of what comes in is gonna be pointed back out into local and foreign missions and to help the, the needy and the um, people to get back up on their feet here locally. And here's the truth, guys. We don't share most of what we do. We really don't. And, and that's actually kind of a conversation we have a lot of times, like what should we hide, what should we show? Um, so we hide most of what we do because it's about Jesus, it's not about us. But sometimes it's good for us to know what we're doing. And so I wanna show you one thing. We all, we all recently did. Just one thing, just one thing out of the many things. So what happened was we heard of a situation over in Pakistan, right? And if you know this, uh, this is a really sobering thing, that around the world, the number sitting somewhere around 27 million people are enslaved today. 27 million people, are, there's modern day slavery, right? And the type of slavery that's prevalent over in Pakistan is called debt slavery, okay? So here's the idea of debt slavery, okay? Let me just, hypothetically, is you owe 50 bucks, right, to somebody. So you're like, okay, I'm, as, as, a, as a man, as a dad in, in that culture, I'm gonna go work for this guy over here. I'm gonna leave my family, go, go to another city. I'm gonna work for this guy for 50 bucks for a week, and I'm gonna bring that back to my family, pay our debts, and be able to move forward. So you go there, and at the end of that week, you're like, hey, need my 50 bucks so I can go back to my family. And the guy's like, oh, oh, but you stayed here in my house and you ate my food while you were here. You actually owe me $25. And while you're still busy, they're like, hey, just work another week and we'll figure it out. And at the end of that week, you owe him $50. And eventually it comes to the place that's like, hey, just go get your family and come, you know, and then, then you guys will be able to work it off. Then you owe 200 bucks and your whole family's in slavery. And we found a Christian family where um, three generations were enslaved. Granddad had the original debt, but now his son and his grandchildren were enslaved as well. And to make matters worse, granddad had died. But his son and his son's family were still working to pay off his debt that will never end. So you didn't even know it, Victory, but God used your giving to set them free. We show this family. Now, honestly, I show you that picture because you'll never meet these people this side of heaven. They'll never be able to say thank you this side of heaven. But here's really why, why I'm even talking about this. We gave it level eight, and you didn't even know it. Here's the deal. We, through our, through our, through our resources, we were able to free them from slavery, we got them a place to stay. We get, put a little bit of stuff in the home. We paid their first month's rent. And get this, we bought like a little moped guy, like with a little bed thing on the back, so he could drive around and he could have a livelihood. And do you know how much it cost? I want you to let that sink in. $2,000 for the cost of a cheap vacation for many people. 
we were able to free an entire family from slavery and set them up for a new life with dignity. You gave it level eight and you didn't even know it. And again, those applause go vertical. I want us to understand the power of our money, the power of the resources that God has given to us. Again, not to be a reservoir, but to be a river. And so much good goes undone when we change from being a river into being, it's all for me. And so that was something you already did. But today, you have the opportunity to do it again. To fully engage at level eight. Not just giving money to somebody, not just kind of giving a handout, but actually giving a hand up, partnering with somebody to help them to move forward. So I want us to take a look at this quick video. Police continue their search for Layla Cabot, who disappeared two years ago. Cabot's two-year-old son, Camden, was found by himself in the parking lot of the Edge Apartments on Southwest 68th Avenue in South Florida. We are investigating every possibility as to why Layla went missing. Layla Cabot has not been seen since. The search still continues. Two years later, Cabot's body has not been found. What happened to this 21-year-old mother? The whole idea of Layla's home comes from a young lady named Layla who was 21 years old, a single mother, lived in a city north of Atlanta, and she had been communicating with a guy on social media, packed up one night, drove down to South Florida, and went missing. We searched everywhere from Fort Lauderdale down to Miami, and someone locally took us to all the different places where trafficking was happening. And we were just seeing this underbelly of sexual exploitation happening in South Florida. As this story's unfolding, we're looking for Layla, we're praying for Layla to be found, but she's not. And we're kind of left with the question, God, why is Layla not being recovered? And God spoke so clearly in the pursuit of Layla, who is worth it. Look at all the other women that you've encountered along the way that are also worth it. We find here in South Florida, women who are being pimped, women who are being trafficked, minors, women who are being trafficked and don't even know they're being trafficked because they've been so conditioned. Abandonment, they were abused as children. They were neglected. They all have some sort of trauma. One woman told me, I don't do drugs, I don't even drink, but I have to literally disassociate and pretend that this is all a dream so that I can get through the night. I hate doing this. It's a lot of brokenness, a lot of sadness, a lot of darkness, and I guarantee you not one woman wants to be there. There's a very real pain that you feel when you see women caught up in sexual exploitation and you know that you don't have an immediate solution to give to them. So we found this spot and it's definitely an active track. There's a guy on a motorcycle who's directly with one woman but seems to be watching a few across the street as well and they're all spread out 25, 50 yards from each other up and down both sides of the road and we've seen a couple of cars pull up next to the girls and talk to them, probably looking for a quote unquote date. They're on the phone with each other now too, so I would venture to say they are alerted. That's why they're clustering. Let's do a pull off into a gas station or something and see if the guy, because he definitely is matching our pace. Right now, if one of those women had asked us for help right away, that emergency solution doesn't exist. We are in desperate need of a short-term facility here in South Florida. Florida is the third largest state where human trafficking happens. Right now, there's no place to go. There's very few, and they're not specific to human trafficking. We went into the club with this team, and two days after that outreach, I received a text message. This specific woman shared that she needed help and she wanted out of this industry. 
we talked, we prayed, I reminded her she's loved, she's cared for, that there's an amazing team waiting for her in Atlanta. And get this, the home where this rescued woman came is the same home that Victory helped Frontline purchase with a Christmas gift to the world years ago. Hundreds of women later, hundreds of rescues later, as we're getting ready to launch one down here that Victory once again is gonna be a part of. Having a Christian trauma-informed safe home here in South Florida would mean that a woman gets to have a safe place to stay for longer than just one night. It would mean that we can meet this practical need before meeting any spiritual needs because she won't have to worry about where she's gonna sleep tomorrow and she can just calm that anxiety and fear. And I can tell her, I have a place for you to stay tonight. In our search for Layla and everything that we learned about the anti-trafficking landscape is that there is not a dedicated home, 24-hour staffed emergency around the clock for trafficking victims. Just a few miles away from this very spot is the place that will be the very first emergency safe home that Frontline opens in South Florida. And this home will have the capacity to serve as many as 100 women per year. So if they make that courageous choice to get help, they can get it immediately and there's no barrier to them other than getting to that place of being able to say yes. Every woman who crosses the threshold of this safe home will have the opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. Partner with us and let's tell these women that have been overlooked and unseen, you are loved, you are valued, you matter. Here's what I love about this opportunity is, uh, you know, Jeff said it on uh, the video there, is that this isn't just an unexplored thing. This isn't just somebody we don't know. Um, we, we partner with Frontline for a long time, and that's actually who we, we built a home here, purchased a home here uh, in Metro Atlanta that we, uh, is some of the Victory team had the opportunity to go on site and see some of these ladies who are in a new life because you gave. And now we get the chance to do it again. And in South Florida, the rough numbers were in about uh, a year's time in a 50, 50 mile uh, area, there were 70,000 sex trafficking victims, 70,000 who'd either been lured into this, kidnapped from other areas, somehow made it there. And we think that they deserve a home and we think that they deserve a new start. So we have an opportunity to give today. So can we put that, that link up here uh, on the screen? This is gonna be a QR code. You can see the direct link at the bottom, connecttovictory.com. I'd really appreciate it if you would pull your phone out. Um, so this QR code will actually take you to a page that talks more about Layla's home. That's a, that's a page that you could refer others to on the other side of today. And on that page, there's a button that says give, okay? Or if you just go to connectvictory.com, there's a button that says give. And on there, you're gonna click, uh, click the campus, which y'all would click Norcross online. You'd either click Norcross or you click online. And uh, in the drop down there where it says fund, do heart of the house. That's where all of our missions giving goes to. Click heart of the house right there. And I really deeply, strongly ask that you do it before you leave today. Because there's something that happens when we get in our car and we drive and then we see that thing, you know, at the mall later on, come on somebody. But we have an opportunity right now to give to something that will outlast probably all of us. We have an opportunity to give at level eight, not just meeting people right where they're at. We're not just giving somebody a, a night stay. We're actually giving somebody a fresh start. We're giving somebody a new beginning. And uh, I believe this, I believe that today and over the next week, we're gonna have the opportunity here at Victory, we're gonna give hundreds of thousands of dollars to this and we're gonna build this house. Can you partner with me in that? Like, can you believe with me for that? We're gonna build this home. We're gonna purchase this home. We're gonna get this home done. And particularly here inside the room, um, uh, Jeff uh, Shaw and his wife are actually here. And so uh, Jeff, who you just saw up on the video is the frontline rep. So one, Jeff, I honor you for the work that you're doing. But two, if you guys wanna ask some questions about Lewis Home or anything like that, uh, Jeff will actually be with us up in the center lobby uh, here after service. If you just wanna ask some questions and uh, get, get to know the work that's, that's happening there. While you're giving, here's what I wanna say. I believe this. I believe that today, 
Jesus is inviting us into a life that's humble, a life that lives for an audience of one in a world that gives for everyone to see, we give for one to see. And this life may not gain a whole lot of followers on social media. It may not gain a whole lot of likes and applause from people, but this type of life does gain the, the attention of heaven. And I believe that the Lord is inviting us into this way of life from this day forward, that we would show when we're tempted to hide and we would hide when we're tempted to show. So that the orphan, the widow, the neighbor and the nations would know Christ. There's no greater life to live and no greater death to die, no greater cause to give to than for the cause of Christ in this kingdom. So let's do it together in victory. In Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads right here. Father, I thank you that you are a giving God. You are a God who loves to bless your kids. And Father, right now, I just, I just, I confess that many times we lose sight of the world around us. I believe that's, many times, that's why some of us need to go on some mission trips <laughs> this next year, just to remind us of there, there are realities in this world that we are insulated from because we live here or we belong to this income bracket or whatever it is. But today, God, I believe that you're waking us up to the reality that we don't exist just to be blessed. We exist to be blessed so that we can turn and be a blessing. And God, today, here's what we do. We commit, Father, to no longer living as reservoirs, but instead opening up to be rivers where you can faithfully put your, your resources into us and we won't just build bigger barns for ourselves. And Father, I ask for the grace that as we enter into this life, that we would not do it for the spotlight, we wouldn't do it for the stories, we wouldn't do it for the thank yous from people. But instead, Father, we would do it for the glory of Christ and for the good of our neighbor. God, do a work on the inside of us that it's not just if we give or when we give, it's actually how we give and may we give your way. And I even pray today, God, as we, we're about to take a step out of here in just a handful of minutes. God, that we would actually partner in here at Level A Giving. So there, there will be some ladies in South Florida where their lives are never the same again, that they actually get some hope. They get a new start in Christ, a new start in this life. And they'll never be able to say thank you to us until we meet them in heaven. God, we thank you for the redeeming work of Jesus Christ that makes all this possible that our sins are separated from us as far as the east is from the west and we've been washed as white as snow by the blood of Jesus. God, we thank you and we're fresh and anew. We turn from our sin, we turn to you and we say thank you, God, for the greatest gift of all and his name is Jesus. And may we let our light shine so that others would see and glorify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give glory to God.